A good haircut can be a game changer. I mean, everybody wants to look their best for those social media pics, right? So get yourself to Sport Clips at Sport Clips Haircuts. They hair do like no one else hair does. See what they did there? Not only is it the home of champion haircuts, but they've also made relaxing and unwinding the name of the game. Level up your haircut with the MVP haircut experience. It's a spa day for your follicles. Check this out. You get a seven pressure point massaging shampoo along with a perfectly steamed hot towel all while sports plays on the TV. Does it get any better than that? No. You can want it all and have it all at Sport Clips. It's a game changer. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. The following program is a PodcastOne.com production. He's a world champion wrestler, best-selling author, actor, and lead singer of Fozzy. Now, now he's rocking the podcast world. Marvelous. This, this, this is Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho. Starring Chris Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. The pot of thunder. Ooh, 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 and rock and roll. Yeah, ooh, yeah, ooh, yeah, ooh. The spell you run down, hey, by Chris Jericho. It's always good when you forget the lyrics to your own song. I don't care. It's my show. The remedy for boredom has arrived. The People's Podcast is here. Let's go for a ride. Do 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 better. What's that one? Do you know that one? That's a little bit of obscure kiss right there. Lover all I can from the Dress to Kill record. I was listening to it last night on the tour bus and I realized, man, that's got some fancy cowbell for yes. So I'm playing it for you, Jerichoholics. How in the hell are you? So excited to be here talking to you from the back of the tour bus in Boston, Massachusetts. About ready to have our very first ever Fozzie show in the history of Fozzie's existence. Uh, I can't believe we haven't played Boston, such a big city, uh, but it's okay. It's not a big college town. Having a great tour here with Theory of a Dead Man. Uh, the Boston show was last night. So today we're in New Jersey, Sarahville, the Starland Ballroom. Big, big show tonight. And then Friday, Rochester, New York. Saturday is going to be in Cleveland, Ohio, and Sunday at uh, Bullsburg, Pennsylvania, at the Quick Rock 45th Anniversary Party. All of those shows with Theory of a Dead Man. And then 
coming on November 21st. It's the Cinder Block Party Tour with Fozzie, Texas Hippie Coalition, and Shaman's Harvest. It is going to be a bash for your ass. I said that twice today. November 20th starts in Flint, Michigan at the Machine Shop. Goes all the way through December 12th in St. Pete at the State Theater. That's the Tampa area. Go to FozzieRock.com to find out all the information of all the shows and buy your tickets. And then, this Tuesday, coming up, it is the release of the best in the world at what I have no idea. My third book. Pre-order it now on Amazon. Or if you're going to be in the area, New York, New Jersey, Washington State, Texas, Florida, come by and see me at my signings. Carl Place, Barnes & Noble, that's in New York City on October 14th. Ridgewood, New Jersey at Bookends, October 15th. October 16th in Staten Island at Barnes & Noble. October 17th, Lake Forest Park, third place books uh, in the Seattle area. October 18th, Fort Lewis, Fort McCord, also in the Seattle, Washington area. October 21st, Dallas, Barnes & Noble, Lincoln Park. October 23rd, Brandon, Florida, Books a Million. October 25th, Barnes & Noble in Tampa, Florida. That's at the Carrollwood location. Come on down. If you liked my first two books, you will love this third installment. I'm going to read another chapter for you on Friday's show. Um, until then... If you like part one, part two, go pre-order it now. Pre-orders are very important to uh, the sales figures and to getting this book on the New York Times bestseller list for the third time in a row. Okay, today, John Morrison is going to be here talking about all his time in the WWE, from his early matches to the creation of his Shaman of Sexy gimmick to why he left the WWE in 2011. We'll also hear about some of his upcoming movie projects. He's writing and producing a movie himself, even very talented guy. He was also in a version of Hercules, not The Rock's version, uh, another version that was released on demand and via video DVD over the summer. Also, we'll find out all about the parkour technique that he uses both in the ring and out. Very, very amazing stuff he can do. He's a natural acrobat. He's a real-life superhero. Amazing conversation with John Morrison coming up. He's going to be in the upcoming Lucha Underground show on El Rey Network. He's going to be called Johnny Mundo, which I think means world. Uh, before we get rolling, though, I need to say thanks to all of you for doing your Amazon shopping through my links at podcastone.com. That's the easiest way to support the show. Amazon, proud sponsor of Talk is Jericho. And every time you shop at Amazon through one of my links, Amazon gives a small percentage of your purchase back to the show to help us cover production costs. I got links for Amazon USA, Amazon UK, Amazon Canada A. Go to podcastone.com, click on the Keep Our Podcast Free banner at the top of the page. Then hit the Talk is Jericho button and get all kinds of cool stuff on Amazon for instance, the new Fozzie record, Do You Want to Start a War? New Theory of a Dead Man record as well, Savages. You can pre-order the best in the world at what? I have no idea. It's coming out on October 14th. You can buy whatever you want. You want to buy a piano? You go buy it. You want to buy uh, drapes, drapery, shrubbery? Go to the Amazon link and buy it. It won't cost you anything extra. No hidden fees or hidden charges. If you happen to be doing Amazon shopping, you can help out my show in the process. Now go to podcastone.com. Click on the podcast free banner at the top of the page. Then hit the Talk is Jericho button. Bookmark so you can get to those links in one easy click. And keep me posted on the Twitter.
at Talk is Jericho. So many things you can do, so many amazing uh, products you can buy. Help us out. We'll be waiting for you. We love doing this for you for free for twice a week, so don't let us down. Okay. Um, Boston Herald did an article on me this week when I was in town with Fozzie. When I clicked on the link, I read the uh, article, which is very well done. At the bottom, I saw this little thing that said, 10 off-air WWE moments you weren't supposed to see. So I thought it'd be cool to go through those. I have not read these yet. Completely cold. Don't know if this is any good, but I thought it'd be fun. I found this at therichest.com. So uh, number 10, the moment you weren't supposed to see. The announcers make fun of CM Punk. During this moment, fans and audiences alike were chanting the name CM Punk repeatedly following his uh, exodus from the company. While everybody was chanting his name during a break on a live Raw show, the announcers joked about the chant, Cole and Lawler. Eventually, a video with the announcers joking about the chant surfaced on the internet and spread quickly. Wow. Okay, big deal. That's not really all that uh, crazy. Number nine, feed from Kevin Dunn's headset. Kevin Dunn, executive producer of the WWE. It's not uncommon to hear him speaking into the microphone or in the announcer's headset giving direction. One time in 2010, another satellite feed picked up Dunn's voice in his headset and what he was saying transferred over to next night's episode of NXT. Although the audio levels were rather low, they were fairly easy to make out. Eh, big deal. All right, Mark Henry is locked out of a cage. I remember this. When the technicians set up the WWE stage, forgot to set up a gimmick on a door to come off his hinges. Mark Henry tried everything he could to break the chain and get inside the cage. Due to excellent editing, the TV crew pulled it off to make it look like Henry broke through the cage and engaged the other wrestlers in the ring. But to the live audience, the other wrestlers in the ring had to just stand there patiently while Henry took his time to break through the cage. Ah, yes, good old Mark Henry, my old pal. Somebody's gonna get they ass kicked. Somebody's gonna get they wig split. Somebody's gonna get they axe split. Somebody's gonna get they wig split. Beat him up, beat him up, break his neck, break his neck. Beat him up, beat him up, break his neck, break his neck. Beat him up, beat him up, break his neck, break his neck. Beat him up, beat him up, break his neck. Neck. All right, let's continue on. Number seven. Mankind picks up the rock's glasses. Well, that was nice of him. See what happened in this. Uh, Mankind and The Rock joined forces on multiple occasions, but perhaps the most memorable moment was when The Rock was cutting a promo and about to deliver some of his famous, hilarious lines. This whole part was scripted, but wasn't scripted was when his sunglasses came off. Mankind helpfully picked them up to give them back to him. The entire live audience clapped in applause as The Rock said, The Rock thanks you for that. And The Rock came back last night on The Rock Came Back very last night the rock came back the very last night homage to my theory of a dead man uh, buddies rock surprising the crowd and at the barclay center in brooklyn last night people went nuts for it i like it when uh, rock said lana walks like she has a smirnoff bottle jammed up her poutine <laughs> good all right number six daniel pewter almost breaks kurt angle's arm i remember that daniel pewter had kurt angle beaten in a match i think it was in a challenge for uh tough enough. Angle was in a position where if he didn't tap out, his arm would be broken. I remember Daniel Pewter caught him in a, in a triangle uh, lock, which could break your arm. It was not in the script. Angle kept fighting and pinned Pewter down. Even though Pewter's shoulders were not on the mat, the referee counted to three and gave Angle the match as planned. I remember they, they, somebody came up with a great idea of doing a shoot fight between Pewter and Angle. The dumbest idea ever. 
Undertaker catches fire, number five. I've discussed this on uh, this show before. I was there. I saw a bird's eye view. I wrote a chapter about it in The Best in the World at What I Have No Idea, which comes out this Tuesday. With his career reaching new heights in 2010, Undertaker's entrances has consisted of fireballs being launched from the stage. But in 2010, as he was about to defend the World Heavyweight Championship, one of the fireballs burned the Undertaker. second one caught his coat on fire. Immediately, the Undertaker tore the coat off, ran over to the nearest water bottle, started dousing himself with him. took nearly half an hour before the Undertaker was ready to enter the match and one of the most memorable off-script moments in WWE history. Not really what happened, but if you want to know the whole story, you can uh, read about it in my book. Tony Chimmel speaks bad English, and the best thing is, instead of Tony Chimmel, it's a picture of Josh Matthews, so you can tell that this website is really on the ball. While recording for an off-the-air compilation for WWE, an overdub of earlier lines that Tony Chimmel practiced, played over the air on the monitors of the announcers. The practicing lines of Chimmel had him speaking very bad English, very many uhs and ums throughout the dub, not to mention referring to the WWF as the Women's Championship. This led to many other announcers throwing jokes at Chimmel, and many of them were seen laughing hard for quite some time on the air. However, Chimmel's career had already been in a more downward spiral before that, as WWE continued to have him announce more and more minor events. But after this off-air incident, uh, minor events seem to be the only thing Tony Chimmel has been announcing lately. Wow, uh, an unsolicited, uh, unfair attack on poor Tony Chimmel there. Uh, Tony's a great guy and a good announcer, so therichest.com, you can suck it. Actually, this is by J. Adriana, so J. Adriana, you can suck it. Number three, Triple H and The Rock rehearse. Video is hard to see. The camera zoomed out far in an empty arena, or so it seems. In the video, you can make out The Rock and Triple H rehearsing a one-hour-long Iron Man match, just mere hours before the Judgment Day 2000 in Kentucky. When the video of the practice is compared with the actual match that occurred just after, the two are nearly identical in terms of sixty. Big deal. Yes, we rehearse sometimes. That's hardly uh, something major. Number two, The Undertaker rehearses killing Paul Bearer. Same thing. They were rehearsing the stunt later on in the night where... He buried Paul Bear in um, the cement. So, okay, so some people were uh, filming videos of the guys rehearsing. But the number one moment you weren't supposed to see in WWE, Vince McMahon blows out both quads. I remember this at the Royal Rumble match in 2005. Cena and Batista were the only wrestlers still standing, but when they both knocked each other over the ropes, Vince angrily stepped in the ring and attempted to restart the match. Somehow, though, as Vince climbed over the ropes to get in the ring, he actually blew out both of his quads, falling into the middle of the ring and not being able to get back up. At first, everyone thought it was part of the match, but when McMahon called for help and couldn't get up, people saw he had actually hurt himself. Kind of what happened. Um... Cena and Batista went over the top rope uh, and landed on the floor at the same time. That wasn't supposed to be what has happened. I believe Cena was supposed to win, hit the floor last, but they hit the floor at the same time. Everyone was panicking, and for some reason I was sitting next to Vince and Gorilla, and I said, Vince, you need to go to the ring and tell them to continue the match. He said, that's exactly, that's exactly what I'm going to damn well do. He walks through the ring, he gets in, something happened. He uh, caught his foot on the rope, and he fell down hard. He blew up both of his quads and he sat in the ring barking orders as the two guys finished the match and Cena won or Batista. No, it was Batista that won, I believe. He went on to face Triple H at WrestleMania that year. And Vince had to sit in the ring because he couldn't move. When the match was over, Vince walked back to gorilla position. He might have had assistance, he might not have, but he walked with, uh, with two torn quads. Walked. It's pretty much impossible. It shows how crazy Vince is. Then we all had to clear the halls uh, of the arena backstage while they carted Vince out on a stretcher because he didn't want anybody to see him on a stretcher. 
came back about two weeks later in a wheelchair and came back about six weeks after that, after blowing up both quads. The man is a physical freak, a physical specimen, and I'm proud to call him my boss. (laughs) So there you go. All right, we got John Morrison on the way, which means I need to need to fuel up and get uh, get some extra calories so he can teach me some of these parkour moves. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Talk is Jericho. Talking to you live from Podcast One Studios in lovely Beverly Hills, where there's no locks on the bathroom. So First thing I said when I walked in. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know who this is yet. But. John Morrison is here, and, and he's sitting across the, the table. Bathroom downstairs, and I'm up here, joining Chris Jericho. Is there? I, I need, is there? Is there a name for uh, for this podcast? Yes, dude. It's not just called podcast. It's well, called. I know it's not podcast. It's, it's not, called Talk Is Jericho. Talk Is Jericho. Yes, the illustrious. Talk is Jericho. Is that part of the title? Or yes, the illustrious. The illustrious talk is Jericho. You have Ooh, to say that whenever you're in here. And I have the illustrious John Morrison. Man, it's good to uh, good to see you. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been way too long, man. Been, I know. Uh, been running around Hollywood doing the uh, the Hollywood shuffle, as so, I would call so it. So you mentioned to me um, that your office is just down the road. Like, would you have, What kind of an office do you have? John Morrison Enterprises? Well, or? anyone can get an office. You know? <laughs> but wh- like, why? <laughs> just to say you have one? To give chicks uh, your card and say, here's my office? Well, like, I wanted to get an office so I could have a, a place on a studio a lot to drink rum and smoke cigars. That's smart. Smart. <laughs> <laughs> Mission accomplished. Yeah, so I've been doing a lot of that. Uh-huh. Um, Perfect. No. And uh, it's, uh, I, got, I got the office to... Uh, to produce movies, so um, I've been working on a movie called Boone the Bounty Hunter. For so the you're last producing year and a half. them um, for for Boone specifically. Yeah, this is going to be written, produced by, and starring former WWE superstar John Morrison. <laughs> that's pretty cool. So or, I mean, or the illustrious John Morrison. That's my that's my gimmick. Yeah, you no, but it. you let me okay. borrow it. First okay, you can borrow it for sure yeah. because you're a producer. So how how like why did you uh, first of all how do you start becoming a producer and why did you decide to go that route? I mean to to become a producer really you just have to pay for an office. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, right on your card. Step one, yeah, well, done. Yeah, and business card that says producer. That's right, done. And, and office business party. producer with office. You'd be imagining. You, you can only imagine how many panties that. that yeah, drop pan, it's a panty dropper. Cheap, exactly. Yeah. yeah, as if your hair and face wasn't enough, the card really fits. <laughs> the backup is the business card. That's right. Um, so, basically, I, I got into producing because um, I was a uh, before before I even started tough enough. I was a film major at UC Davis. Oh, okay. I, uh, I was a. Uh, I graduated in film from UC Davis a week before I left to, to do Tough Enough 3. Mm. And um, I, I did a couple of shorts. Most of them were kung fu related in college. And uh, right before I, I left for Tough Enough, I, I finished a, uh, a feature that I, I wrote, co-directed, produced, and starred in in college. This was like wow. 12 years ago. And I, it's, it's not even good enough to show people because mm-hmm. it's like – it's like so bad that it's not good. It's just <laughs> so bad that it's not good. Yeah, you yeah. can't you can't hear it. You can't laugh at it. But um, but it's a learning experience, right? E- exactly. So that, that's what was was going to be my career trajectory before uh, before I started wrestling. I was training to do action. I was training to be like uh, like Jackie Chan, basically. Mm. And then when I saw Tough Enough, I uh, I got back into wrestling because it was my first love as a kid. I just never really considered it like a like a possibility for a career just because of the seems like so so impossible like how do you get into that exactly you know? like there's such a wall between like me like a, a kid growing up in Palos Verdes and, and what I saw on TV that I just mm-hmm. didn't click until I saw it tough enough and then I realized like oh like everything I've been doing is kind of prepping me for pro wrestling it's yeah, yeah, I just yeah. never thought about that 
to take some of those techniques that you had and use them in pro wrestling. So were, were, you said you wanted to be Jackie Chan. So have you been kind of uh, studying and training, I guess, martial arts your whole life? Um, yeah, absolutely. And I, a lot of times describe pro wrestling as a martial art. You probably, I mean, it's art. Absolutely, I agree. Would know, yeah, would know. It's it's like a discipline. It's like a practice, mm-hmm. like that a doctor does. You constantly improve. You learn new techniques. The object is to have. The object is to entertain people, right? But but physically, you can do that vocally, emotionally, and um, I was I was a wrestler in high school and college, and then in college I started doing gymnastics and kung fu and breakdancing with the thought that I wanted to get hmm. into to action movies, and so um, since I left, I've been doing the same thing. I've been training, doing a lot of stunt fighting, still training parkour, still taking wrestling bookings. I've done I've done five movies now, and um, Boone the Bounty Hunter pretty much envelops like the exact character that I, I want to play. And so I wrote a script based on this narcissistic bounty hunter who does parkour to catch his bounties. He's a reality show bounty hunter. And then the film really thematically is kind of about identity, which mm-hmm. is a theme that I've run into a lot with pro wrestling. A lot of people play the same character so much that their personality and their character on TV sometimes overlap. Right. So Boone the Bounty Hunter thematically explores that, but also is a premise for the type of action I want to do. So, Parkour, over-the-top, fun stuff. And it's an actual feature film, or is it a web series? It's or a feature. It, so how do you go, let's say, and even to, to raise the money for that? Is it your money, or do you have to go find somebody? It's one or the other. <laughs> that's, that's the hard thing. I mean, and like we were, we were talking earlier before we went on the air about like how um, – Full of shit, everyone in Hollywood. Is. Yeah, well, yeah. entertainment, <laughs> I mean, man. It's entertainment in general, and it's it's not like even necessarily a bad thing. It's just people like to make stuff happen, and they they promise stuff, and a lot of times with the best of intentions. Sometimes, like they're exactly. hoping so hard that it works, right? Yeah, and then like, but but a lot of times it doesn't work, and people promise stuff even if there's a twenty percent chance of it of it yes. happening. And so like, really, literally, you just you take a lot of meetings, you uh, you start attaching talent. You start uh, trying to ask people if they're available to do cameos in your movie. Oh, hey, by the way. <laughs> smooth. A, very um, smooth, man. That was nice. I'm in. And then, then you, you, you make a – there's a couple different things you can do. One, you can make a sizzle trailer, which, mm-hmm. I, which I did for Boone. I should have – I saw that. I, I saw it. Oh, you did? Okay, Yeah, cool. somebody sent it to me. You had the shades on, like the hair blowing and like – Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, you can take that to a, like a film market like they, they have – in Los Angeles, they have one called AFM. It's in November. I went with Boone and um, on an iPad and walked around and showed it to distributors. So and just then, go up to them and show them. You, you make you make appointments usually, but like um, because I'm John Morrison, a lot of times I just like walked into places <laughs> and just hope, <laughs> hope, put one of your promo shots on the desk and go. Can you hold this? for Introduced myself and like if you have a fun action trailer with with music, you're a couple steps ahead of the game. Oh, I'm sure. You know, it's like, probably a lot of just cheap people like cheap. Cheap shows that people think There's is good. There's a lot of crappy movies yeah. out there, and um, I, I think it's refreshing to to have somebody walk in with a, a an action movie one because like a lot of people want action movies these days, and and two just like if you walk into a room and you bring cool energy, and um, a lot of times you know somebody who's an acquaintance of like the uh, the distributor you're, you're walking into, which is what's kind of started happening for me. Like I, I knew somebody who knew somebody at Voltage and at Shoreline at Anchor Bay at Shoreline, so a lot of the places I could say like. Hey, I'm Elizabeth's friend's friend, mm-hmm. and like play the like who do you know game, and then, right? Oh, well, check out the sizzle trailer, <laughs> and then you know, and then and then they'll, they'll, usually they watch it and um, say they love it, and they'd love to give you money if this and this happens, and then you connect those dots and figure it out. So, uh, so is, is this something that's kind of on? The, uh, it's ongoing. It's going to happen. Or are you still kind of working on, on trying to make it happen? Um, I would I would say it's it's ongoing. It's going to happen. 
I mean, Boone, Boone's pretty close. We've got like we've got a script locked. We've got like locations that we're, we're locking up. We've got director and cast mm. attached. I mean, it, this is is happening. Like you got this far. Yeah, it's it's like going to happen pretty much no matter what. We got partial financing in the account. Right. It's, it's and this is close. a script that you wrote. I, I would have to say co-wrote. Okay, but it's uh, created by An me, idea. developed by me, and um and literally like written by me and then rewritten by someone else and then rewritten again by me because I like myself better. <laughs> <laughs> you want to put your name higher up on the list. Exactly. And what about uh, what about the, the Hercules? This is the year of the Hercules. There's a lot of Hercules, yeah, right? I mean, Kellen Lutz had a Hercules movie come out in January mm-hmm. and a lot of people haven't heard of my Hercules movie. <laughs> Hopefully some people will go to my movie thinking it's The Rocks, but I don't know about the other way around. <laughs> to be honest. Hey, come on, man. And, and, also, and also I think that uh, – I mean The Rocks is like a, a theatrical movie, mm. a, like a blockbuster movie. Mm. And I don't think that uh, the Hercules movie I did is getting a theatrical release. So it would be like a, a video on demand? It would probably be video on demand or now, straight to DVD. It would probably be big in Japan. <laughs> Huge in the Orient. <laughs> now were you actually Hercules? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. I played, I played Hercules in, in Asylum's Hercules movie. And it was it was fun, man. It was a low budget thing. It was a collaboration from a lot of filmmakers, mm-hmm. and there wasn't a ton of prep time. And I've, I've learned the difference now between like a, your Captain America versus your low budget Hercules movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I've trained like a, I've been training with a ton of stunt guys, and say, say like Chris Brewster, for example, who doubled Captain America, and um, Aaron Tony, who doubled Anthony Mackie. Like those guys are employed for like a full year, previsiting and working on fight scenes getting prepped for Captain America. Hercules, when I, when I flew to Morocco, we shot this thing in Morocco. Wow. We, we get there, and um, there's a couple stunt guys who don't speak English. There's a coordinator who speaks French. And then there's Moroccan extras who, uh, who don't speak English or, or French. French. <laughs> yeah, and they, they, they speak like some, some, uh, some form of Arabic. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're super helpful, but the amount of time we have is, is like, very little. And there was a couple days where we worked out, like, uh, we worked out fight scenes with some of the stunt guys who were, who were, like, cool and, like, down to do stuff. They were down to let me, like, powerbomb them and throw them around. Uh-huh. And then we'd get on a set, and those guys weren't there. And there's, <laughs> there's just, like, a bunch of uh, Moroccan extras, like, staring at me with, like, deer-in-the-headlights expressions. <laughs> And um, they just ask me to kill everybody, and I'm swinging <laughs> swords and like kicking these guys and like slamming them around, and like they they made like a cool a cool movie out of like the resources we had. I think the accomplishment of putting it together was pretty cool. It's still pretty cool that you were the lead in a movie, man. I mean, that's that's huge. Did you have to audition for that, or did they just did you just get offered the part? Um, I, I I actually just got offered it, which, Great. Is, which is pretty cool. I auditioned for those uh, those guys once before, and I always. I always get this like you're a uh, you're perfect. Loved your audition. Like you're too big and your hair is too long. Mm-hmm. And then when Hercules came up, they, they were just like, "Oh, perfect, bingo, done." Yeah. The role you were born to play. Exactly. How how long were you in Morocco for? Only three weeks. Wow. So yeah. it was a guerrilla filmmaking. Quick and dirty. Quick and dirty. Hercules. Did you have any like monsters that you had to fight? I don't think we could afford monsters. <laughs> CGI they, Sci-Fi Channel monsters. They had me. Uh, they had me punch a horse though, okay. which was like my like. It reminded me of Blazing Saddles. It, it was yeah, our homage to Conan. Didn't he punch yeah, a horse yeah, or yeah. a cow it, or something? Exactly. He put, he knocked out a. He was a horse or a bull or something. Yeah. <laughs> so they might actually put it on the on the Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah. Which in which case they would have to edit in some of their awesome Sci-Fi Channel monsters. I if they did that, that would be great. <laughs> That'd be the best. I I would love to do like a Hercules movie where it's like Hercules versus creatures. You know which, what I mean? A series. Yeah. Now that you it's the role you were born to play Absolutely. and you're a producer and you have an office, you could probably make this happen. Just yeah. <laughs> Sip some rum, light up a cigar, make some phone calls. So so how long has it been since you left the WWE? Two thousand ten did you leave? Um 
the uh, the very end of 2011. 11, okay. Like December 2011. So, man, it's been two, two and a half years. It's crazy Dude, how quickly it goes, man. right? Like, I know. I, I, when, I, when I left, I left for like, in my head, I was like, I'll take a year. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll take a year, I'll heal up, I'll, I'll do some projects and I'll come back. And then um, you start thinking about, I mean, you've been in this in this space longer than I have. Like, you've like, Probably thinking, all right, I'll go back, and then thinking about that schedule, mm-hmm. and thinking about like for you, I mean, Fozzie and movies and like your your web show, same. Like I've got like a, a slate of stuff that yes. I want to do, and I, the more I think about going back, like the more stuff I have to like not do that I want to do. Well, you know, it's one of those things too, and you might be the first guy I've had on, well, Chavo too, but when you leave the the, the business, especially WWE, you don't realize how. How quickly things move, how stressful it is, how much traveling you're doing, how lack of sleep you have. It's actually it, – it's crazy. When you're there, you can't see the forest through the trees. Yeah. Yeah, dude, 100%. You know, and even like the, the, like the mental – I mean physically the matches are fine, but mentally. Like you're always having to ask questions or worry about politics or you know, trying to figure out different ways of doing something that you don't like. It's really taxing. And it's pretty much all you have energy for. Yeah, it's, it's all consuming. That's right. And yeah, I, I would describe it the same way. I describe it as like an express train. Like you get on the express train <laughs> and you just blow by like all these stops that are probably pretty cool, but you don't even have time to think about it. That's right. It happens you, so you fast. Step off that train and like five years, ten years have gone by. Well, people will say things like even even with us. Um, I can't remember right before I left in 2012 or 2010. The last match I had was with you. Or one of them. I don't even that remember. Was, right. I don't even remember. I remember See, vaguely. And, and before you left, you had to put over that goddamn John Morrison. <laughs> <laughs> I put you over. I remember you we, did. You did. I, I no, you did. And we did that. Like uh, we did a really funny uh, yeah, tape in that, Washington. That was your idea. Where like uh, um, yeah, you put me over, and then I sat down next to you, and um, something was going on. I wanted you to be like uh, wanted to be like the Office, where you'd be Jim, where it's just all done with facial expressions and like right, you know, like, uncomfortable silence. That was a cool idea, and I got a lot of good feedback off. That, yeah, I, wa- off I that wanted. That. I actually pitched that to, to Brian Gewertz, the one of the writers at the WWE, maybe even the head writer, that he should make Morrison like Jim from The Office, where it's not what he says, it's what he doesn't say and kind of the reactions and the kind of the, like, tough day, huh? You, should, you know, just that uncomfortable silence. But, you know... It, it came out on that thing. and the, like, It was great. It's like... It's like the first episode of a sitcom, though, you know? Like, like the idea is there, and if you develop it, like, it starts to gain You can make it roll. Get it, yeah. But also, too, somebody would have to get what it, what it is that we were trying to go for, and because it was like I kind of had this idea, you know, maybe it wouldn't work with other people or whatever. I'm not sure, but I and, thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, dude, I thought so, too. Yeah, they have to get it and then follow through with it enough so that everyone starts now, to get it and latch on. What were your uh, reasons for leaving? Um, what we just I, spoke I about? Couple, yeah, you know, honestly, like, um, like, well, the, there's some physical stuff. Like, I had neck surgery, like, uh, 2011 earlier, and um, I had like nerve damage, and I, I rushed back. And when I when I got back, I, I remember like I, I kept getting calls from the office, like Johnny and Laurenitis, and like Hunter. Everybody wanted me back ASAP, and I, I rushed back even before I was ready. And um, when I got back, like, I remember thinking, like, you know, like. I'm still getting stingers and like I feel like I have nerve damage. My, yeah. my neck is like when I when Something I move my right. head around, I feel like I'm cracking my knuckles in my neck. And um, I got back and I remember thinking, you know what? Like I rushed back and like nothing's changed. Mm. <laughs> like nothing would have mattered. Wow. If I if I came back like a month earlier or three months later or a year later, it would have just been it's the same thing. Kind of the same thing. And then when I when I left, I started thinking about all the other stuff that I'd wanted to do, and. Um, 
thinking, you know, like if I re-signed my contract, they, they wanted to sign, like they wanted me to sign for five years. Wow. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, man, five years from now, I'm going to like <laughs> be five years older. That's a long time. And I'm not going to be in the kind of shape I am now. I might not be able to move like I, I can when I'm, when I'm in my prime. And I figured like if I was going to try to really do an action movie the way that I wanted to do, that I dreamed of when I was a kid, the time mm. was now. You know, when we're talking about the last uh, the, the match that we had over the last year and a half or two years, I mean, you always were very uh, acrobatic in the ring. You could always do a lot of cool stuff, but you really got into the parkour type thing. That's how they say it in France, by the way. Parkour, parkour or Canada. <laughs> That's right. Canada. Yeah, you really got in, you really got into that over the last year and a half, where that became like. You, I remember backstage, you'd be doing the little jumps and dives and through the hoops and doing the real Jackie Chan stuff. You know what? And part of it was because like I had already kind of started setting my my mind on like wanting to like like it's like you know everyone has a bucket list. Now, my bucket list was do a Jackie Chan movie, uh-huh. but play the part of Jackie Chan. So I'd started thinking that way and applying it to wrestling. And like forcing myself on that schedule, like we'd have our, you know, like our five days on the road. And then on my day off, I would, I would go to a parkour gym and train and like pick up some stuff. But if you're only training one day a week, like you can't really get better at anything. So it, I just figured out a way to make it work on the road. Now, had you done that before though? Like you, you had you been into parkour before you got into wrestling? Um, not really. I mean, parkour was like a relatively new, new phenomenon. No, Jackie like, Chan doesn't do parkour. He's like, like Chinese acrobat or something. Yeah, right? but like it's. It's almost like you could say that he did parkour before the term parkour was coined. Mm-hmm. He was doing that stuff in like in the 80s and 90s in his action movies. He was parkour before parkour was cool. Exactly. <laughs> Ahead of his time. Yeah. I mean, but, he I mean, was still well, popular. Well, expl- explain exactly what that is, what parkour is. Um, so, man, parkour, like traditionalists who call it parkour – differentiate it from free running so traditional parkour like the the french way of thinking the way that david bell one of the the godfathers of parkour would describe it is moving through space as efficiently as possible Mm -hmm. getting from point a to point b in the way that like a fireman might need to go to save someone from a burning building Mm -hmm. or to navigate your way through a military obstacle course Mm -hmm. now like the last five years it's blown up and like now parkour has become like kind of like a, a fusion of traditional parkour, gymnastics, martial arts tricking, breakdancing, hip-hop, pretty much all things movement are now thrown into this big catch-all term called parkour, parkour. or free-running. And really it's just like navigating, moving through space in a cool way, <laughs> which, is, which is super interesting to me, as, especially as it applies to uh, – to film and like chase scenes and that that first chase scene in that James Bond. I was going to say that it was a Casino Royale, I think, right? Yeah, that absolutely. was amazing. I was thinking about you when I watched it because I just saw it about six months ago, and the whole thing is based around Bond chasing a parkour expert, that, right? I think that that specific movie and chase scene had a lot to do with parkour gaining the momentum and popularity that it has now. And um and since then, I mean, I, I did a uh, I did a video called the Tempest Takeover video with a. They do this, like, uh, Tempest Freerunning Academy does these videos, like, once a year, and they fly in, like, all the best parkour athletes from all over the world. And um, the stuff that these guys are doing, it's like they were, like, defying gravity and, like, risking their lives doing, like, precision jumps and corkscrew gainers, Hmm. like, from bars to bars, like, elevated 12 feet in the air with, like, no padding. And um, after I saw that, I was kind of like, well, I'll just talk at the beginning of this thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's real hardcore stuff. Yeah, but it, it's like a, the, uh, 
the stuff that I can do is just like it's like it happened with skateboarding and, and BMX bike riding. It's like you can't just do it. You can't just do an ollie. You have to do a kickflip, and then you can't just <laughs> do a kickflip. You have to do like a, a kickflip over a shopping cart, and then you have to do like a kickflip over a shopping cart onto like a burning like right, right, front right, right, yard right, right, or something. Yeah. <laughs> so that's like that's kind of like what's happening now with, with parkour, in my opinion. Like the level of like. The level of talent is just so elevated because people have had longer to develop tricks and people get people get different specialties like someone like a precision guy where they're really good at jumping from a far distance onto like a small target mm -hmm. like jumping from this window down to like a, a rail like a story below and landing, landing completely specifically on, it. On, the, yeah. on the rail is somebody like a tricker they're like good at martial arts tricks they can do crazy like twisting moves is somebody like a speed guy like mm -hmm. everyone's got different kinds of specialties and it's, it's a it's a crazy now, it's now, a crazy world we were talking about the backstage bit i specifically remember one of them where you did kind of that james bond casino rally you jumped over a couple pallets of what they had set up an obstacle course and you did they do that quite a bit like were they getting behind the concept did vince understand what it was you were doing I honestly don't think vince understood it yeah but he liked it yeah because it's cool looking right yeah exactly so, um and they they kind of it, it was another frustrating thing a little bit like they they got behind it and they loved it and every week they told me how much they loved it and they wanted to do a parkour vignette every week mm -hmm. but then we really did it like once a month because they would run out of time mm -hmm. and then i would like you know like you do like would go to go to vince's office and, and push and talk to him about it and he would tell a writer somewhere that we had to do the parkour vignette this week but then sometimes if they if they come up to you at six thirty when you're trying to trying to like put a match together yeah. and they're like all right we gotta we gotta do this parkour thing and you're like um well I, like, <laughs> that's not quite that easy yeah. but in the WWE world well come on just do it parkour what, go, what are you go, doing go. Like, there's there's some boxes over yeah, there jump over there rail up, up, up upstairs but it wasn't really something that you could incorporate into a wrestling match was it um, towards the end I was getting some more like freedom to do like a lot of those false can anywhere matches. Oh yeah, and, and then I felt like it had a really That's good. That's right. Home. You and Seamus had a great one. Was that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Me and Seamus had a great one, and I had a good one with uh, had a great one with Miz, Miz too. Miz too. Yeah, I remember that. That was like a yeah. main, main event of Raw, maybe. Yeah, that was back when Miz was the WWE champion. <laughs> Crazy, right? It's bizarre. How things yeah. have changed. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember even that match that we had. You did some kind of a really cool dive where you jumped completely over, like you're in the ring and jumped over the corner. Yeah, and did some the, kind the corner of corner to corner dive. Actually, that I think was that was really cool. That was the first time I did that. Yeah. And I, I almost missed it too. Yeah, I remember like, okay, I'll be <laughs> the there. You had to like, save me. Yeah, I'll be the guy. You step forward. Absolutely. But I re yeah, that one you did with, 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 both with Miz and Sheamus, they were both kind of false count anywhere. And you did some great stuff. I mean, that was kind of a, a breakthrough, both those matches for you. Was the Sheamus on a pay per view? Um, I think Sheamus one was on Raw. And then I had a ladder match with him on pay per view that like I did some parkour stuff in too. So that was like, a, like I said, like almost like a breakout moment for you. It def yeah, dude, absolutely. That and. Um, this, the Royal Rumble spot was a parkour spot. Which one was like that? Like I got knocked off the uh, the apron and jumped onto the rail. And then oh, that's back right. In. And that was I think that was one of the first times where I really started Dude, putting parkour into the wrestling thing. That was amazing. For people that didn't see it or maybe you don't remember, he was standing on the apron. Somebody hit you from behind. You jumped completely across the uh, the open aisleway onto the guardrail and stuck it. Yeah. Like yeah, a cat. It was pretty funny because that was a that was one of those spots for me where I was like, well, if I miss it, I guess I'm you're just out. out. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen uh, Kofi uh, over the last yeah. little bit? He does something like I, that I, every like, time. Uh, I, I text him usually after every after yeah. every rumble. Son of a bitch. He comes up with something every time. He's good, man. He's uh those those things that he comes up with every time I see him. Like I, it's some of my favorite rumble moments now. Very creative, and it's yeah. almost expected. Actually, even at WrestleMania, the thing the thing that happens though is like now he's got to up himself to. every year. 
here. Did you see Mania this year? Yeah. Where he, he get pushed off the corner and he landed with his feet on the stairs. So he officially wasn't out of the Battle Royal and then yeah. climbed back up. That's crazy. Landing on the stairs? Like... The margin of error, yeah. That's insane. Yeah, exactly. They could, yeah, it could go so wrong. <laughs> Did you work with him at all with Kofi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a um, – shoot, man. When I first started, we had uh, – actually, Kofi's first like round of like uh, house shows, uh-huh. it was Johnny Nitro versus Kofi Kingston. <laughs> and it was a freaking spot fest. <laughs> I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. I want to talk all about Johnny Nitro. We're first going to take a break. we got John Morrison here right here on the illustrious Talk is Jericho. Yeah. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Talk is Jericho. Welcome back to Talk is Jericho. I got John Morrison right here. Was it the shaman of sexy? The guru of greatness. Who else? Monday Night Delight. <laughs> <laughs> the honcho of hotness, the ambassador of abdominals. You know, stuff that you think of when you're, you're driving exactly. from city Just to city. Just r- rolls off your tongue. The honcho, yeah. the honcho of hotness. That's that was, the that one. was heel John Morrison. <laughs> <laughs> now let's talk about uh, the early years. You mentioned before that you were kind of involved in producing and acting, and then uh, you noticed that Tough Enough was, was, was existing, and you thought maybe you'd try to get into wrestling. Where did you find out about Tough Enough, and how did you get involved with it? I was in between classes. I just started watching it on TV. Like I was, I was. Uh, this is when they had Tough Enough on TV, like the actual program, Tough Enough. Yeah, like okay. a Tough Enough season one. Like okay, I, right. I started watching halfway through the season, and I literally started thinking, like, this is it. This is the, this is the guys that are going to be training to be pro wrestlers. Yeah, Dude, I could school these guys. And that was that was was that Nowinski? that was Maven Maven Nowinski and right. Josh Matthews year. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And like, and I mean, you always think that when you watch TV. Oh, I could do that. Yeah, exactly. Guys, yeah. It looks it looks easier when you're sitting on your couch. Yeah, exactly. And when you get in the ring, it's not. It's a whole easy. different world. <laughs> yeah. So, th- so, th- so you saw one, and then two. I think the girls won. It was like the the two I applied for. Okay. Like, I applied for, and I was like a semifinalist. I went to Vegas. I met Chavo and Kevin Dunn, and like Kevin Kevin Dunn said, like he doesn't want to be a pro wrestler. He just wants to flip and run and and, and do gymnastics. <laughs> and then I uh, and then I reapplied for three, and ended up getting on. Which is perfect because I got to finish college. And so, what what exactly did that entail? Getting on to Tough Enough. Tell us about how that you, you have to go to a house. I can't remember exactly how it went. Yeah, it's like a it's like an old it's like a real reality world, right? show. Yeah. yeah, like a real world type thing. Is like, this the one where Bob Holly and was it Demont? Yeah, Bob Bob Holly beat up Matt Capitelli oh, that's on, right. on my season, and we were all like. Uh, we were all whining like because uh, like Bob was miserable, man. He was a, he was mean. And, and I found out later, yeah, he was he was a mean dude. And the when he when he came onto our show, um, he had a broken neck. Oh, so not only was like is he like kind of a grumpy guy sometimes. Like he had a reason to be. He's pretty, literally hurting. I think that's pissed. Brock Lesnar. I think power bombed him or something. Yeah, neck, I right? think it was like weeks after that before he got the surgery. In the in the meantime, wow. So you, what and what happened with Capitelli? Um, Dude, Cap, he was like, another. He was another he was student like a, in the class. I think class. one of like the most charismatic, like talented guys ever. I mean, that Good guy, looking guy. Yeah, and um, and and like different looking too. Yeah, like, he had like the crazy hair and like Sammy kind Hager of like a, hair. Yeah. yeah, like cool style. Yeah, he had um like the worst luck ever though. Like he kept about like the first time he's about to be called up, he took a hip toss and like broke his leg in like a, a spot show in Ulitic, Indiana or something. <laughs> then like um they're gonna put him and uh Kalen Croft or. Chris Cage, mm-hmm. whatever you 
Whatever people know him as. The guy who's, who got left in Switzerland when we took that bus ride, yeah. which we'll talk about. And um, he ended up telling me later that that was the best thing that ever happened oh, to I'll, him. I'll tell you it was the best thing that ever happened to yeah. him. Okay. Remember how bad that – but let's talk about it. So, so we're, we're over on tour, and I'll still remember – I wrote it in my, in my next book that's coming out uh, in October – and we, you and I, <laughs> nice. October 14th. Where can I get that? Yeah, available at bookstores. Everywhere. Okay, bookstores. Book good. Here. Um, if they still exist. So we were over there and there was when, – when the Icelandic volcanoes happened where all this ash got and shot all, into the air. All the flights were grounded. All the flights were grounded. The particles were going to get in the engines. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was bad. Everything was under lockdown. And the raw crew was in Ireland. So they were stuck on an island and right. we were on main, main, mainland Europe. We were somewhere – yeah, in we, Switzerland. In, we were in, in Switzerland. And you and I were going to go snowboard. The next day in Innsbruck, Austria. Dude, I forgot about. Remember that? That, that was going to be like the we made the most a plan epic part of the tour. We were super excited because we yeah. were going to go snowboarding. You almost in never get to do anything fun on those wrestling tours. I mean, the, wrestling's fun. Yeah, but yeah, like, but I get it. Yeah, outside of that, and, yeah. and we had a show in Innsbruck, so it's right in the Swiss Alps. That's where the Olympics were, Winter Olympics, whatever, ten yeah. years ago. And I was like, I knew, like, dude, because you always used to go like you'd go surfing we, in dude, Costa Rica, we, you'd go find cool stuff. to I, do. I tried to like, yeah, towards the end, make a point of like, yeah. like if we're going somewhere, I'm going to like make a point of going jet skiing, even if I can't sleep. Or surfing, or yeah, something. Enjoy the the this tour. Yeah, and so we were gonna go, and we had it all organized. I remember I even talked to one of our reps, and they had gonna have a shuttle pick us up at the hotel, drive us. We were gonna rent Dang, boards God. and go for half a day, and then come back. Volcano exploded one day later. I know. Yeah. And then, so we had to leave right after the show and drive from Zurich to Madrid, which was I don't know, like twenty five hundred miles or something. Twenty five hundred yeah. kilometers. Yeah, in in that. In that crappy van. Like, well, what, what happened was is that we had to make it to Madrid to fly out because Raw was on Monday. The Raw crew was stuck in Ireland, and this is still when they were, had split the Raw and SmackDown crews. Right. So we would have to take over for Raw, and we could make it to Madrid, but we'd have to drive all night to get there. It was going to take about 24 hours. Or, or, and sorry, and they, were trying to, they were trying to like rent us like luxury vehicles, like like a tour bus. Everything's completely rented out because everyone's doing the same thing. That's right, and we basically had – it was supposed to be a 12 or 15-hour drive. We basically had a glorified rent-a-car shuttle. Yeah. Like, that's what it and was. And it wasn't even a good one. Like, it, it was, like yeah. AC didn't work. Like, this isn't even like an Ava show. This is like a, a, a like a, a United or a National like a thrifty or Thrifty. Car that's it. That was like, yeah. like your off airport rental <laughs> yeah, right. car shuttle. And there was no air conditioning. There was no bathroom. There was no food. There was and, nothing. And, like, like flooring that thing, like, its, it's top speed was like 50, 55 miles an hour. Yes. And at one point, the driver actually crossed himself. Like, you're like, oh my God, we're going to die. Yeah. And I remember, like, weird. Just he thought the engine was going to blow up. It's, yeah. It's going to be, we're going to stuck in the mountains it's going to be like the Donner party we're going to eat each other alive we're going yeah. to be cannibals so anyways that was I remember the fact that it, it, we finally made it but it took us like 20 hours it was the worst ever but the thing that bothers me the most is that we didn't get to go snowboarding in Innsbruck absolutely so it would have been so legendary I know it would have been amazing right no and, and literally at the time when we were when we were leaving like to, to bring it back to Galen Croft and those guys like when we were getting onto the shuttle I remember like there was like all right well we need, we need you 10 for Raw. Uh, Croft, Beretta, not you. It was yeah. like the lifeboat on the Titanic. Just, Only the most important people could get on. Yeah, and then it ended up being like where like the, the, the people that didn't get onto the lifeboat. I mean, they, like those guys like hung out in Geneva for like a week. A week. They both met girls. I know. They both like like hung out. And, and the Raw crew was stuck in Ireland. Like, I remember Johnny's, well, they're stranded in Ireland. They're stranded in Belfast in a five-star hotel Hilton, like, drinking and watching movies and hanging. Like, yeah. I don't want to hear it. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. so, so you had Kalen Croft and Capitelli. We're talking about the bad luck that Capitelli had. Yeah. So um, he was about to get called up. He got a, he got a concussion on, on OVW TV. They took him and they gave him a CAT scan just uh, to be safe. And they found out that he had like a golf ball-sized uh, – 
like the malignant tumor, tumor in wow. his head. And um, he like uh, he's fine now, but at the at the time, like uh, it was it was a really big deal. It was it was by his optic nerve. They uh, they told him that Serious. they needed to take it out. And um, when he woke up from surgery, there was like a twenty percent chance he could be deaf and a forty five percent chance he could be blind. Wow! And um, they they took it out. He woke up and he was totally fine, except he lost some of his periphery. Okay. He said it's like he's wearing a hat all the time. Like he just oh, can't like I got can't you. see up. So but, he like, couldn't couldn't wrestle anymore. Well, I think that, and it was just like, like the tumor like was the size of a golf ball, and they took it out of his head, and they just didn't want him. Yeah, get they bounced around. Him. Sure, yeah, like sure, sure, you got sure. A hole in your head. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he that that was it, you know, and it's kind of too bad. Like he, I know he's a. Um, He's he's in Louisville now still. Um, he's he's managing a couple of gyms out there. Okay. He's married, and that dude is like still like the, one of the most positive people in my life. Like every time I I talk to him, he's having a great day. He's got some funny story. Like he, yeah, he would have he would have been great. Like uh, if he if he'd got a shot on TV for sure. Yeah. Well, because um, I remember that they brought you and him up to raw and tommy dreamer beat you guys up with canes or something like that and sent you packing back week, down to yeah. the minor leagues like, like the what the hell after. right like stupid old school wrestling where these guys obviously made it through tough enough now we must destroy them yeah let's let's capitalize <laughs> yeah let's, let's capitalize try let's on the kill them publicity <laughs> kendo yeah. stick kendo stick and the thing is they did this with maven too tough enough people were watching and i felt that you guys were kind of growing up in front of the fans so when you guys won you were there People like they, they had they had a say in, in bringing you in, and then you just got destroyed. Happened to Maven too; just killed you off. When, when, when I was I was like a huge fan of, of of wrestling, but also tough enough. And I remember like specifically like I was tuning in for like months to see Maven on like WWE yeah. programming, and like nothing. And then he eventually showed up and did well for himself. Yeah, but they like I I, I didn't it's it was a, I didn't care by the time he showed up, but I just cared the, less. The, the bloom was off the rose. The momentum had been stopped. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that's just the way things were then. Uh, back it was like. You know, I guess 2004 when you finally debuted. I remember this. You came in as uh, Eric Bischoff's. How could how could you forget Eric Bischoff's nephew or Old something like that? Slippery shoes, Johnny Nitro. Yeah, yeah. John, <laughs> well, first of all, first of all, and this is something that Stacy, my amazing producer, pulled up. You start off as Johnny Blaze, yeah, and then it changed to Johnny Spade, and then to Johnny Nitro, all like in a three week period. I, I wanted to be Johnny Blaze. Okay, so I told I told everyone my name was Johnny Blaze, and I was Johnny Blaze. Like I did a vignette with Stone Cold, where he's like Johnny Blaze, nice to meet you. Then they uh, they got a cease and desist immediately from uh, from Ghost Rider and Method oh. Man. Everybody it was it was copywritten. Okay. Then they're like, well, you know, Johnny Spade is kind of like Johnny Ace. Let's do that. Which just a joke, a joke, yeah. just an in joke for like mildly funny on Johnny Ace, right? And then so then that was one week they changed my name to Johnny Spade, no explanation. And then the week after that they changed it to of which I, I liked a lot more Johnny Nitro. To uh, in honor of Eric Bischoff, right to fit in with Bischoff, yeah. And I, it's funny because you were, had to wear dress pants and slippery shoes, yeah, like dress shoes, yeah. And it was it was so weird because at the time, like all I wanted to do was wrestle, and then I was now I'm on Monday Night Raw and I'm sitting in an office with Eric Bischoff all day. <laughs> and, you go, day. <laughs> and I remember you had to go to the top rope for like your finishers twisty thing, and you slip because your damn well, shoes are you're, too you're slippery. Talking about the one, remember that one match? Like the, the one match we had, it was like. Uh, me and Eugene versus you and um no, me and me and Lance Cade versus you and Eugene. Really? Yes. I don't have any memory of that at all. Was that, that was, in England? That was in England the time when I oh. slipped and I cut your face open. Yeah, I get stitches because of you, man. Yeah. I had to go to, I had to go to some crazy old school doctor in a white coat in the middle of like Hull, England. It was, it was like, like 
I'll give you some stitches, but you, we don't have any antiseptics, so you just got to grin and bear it. <laughs> Whatever the hell. I'm like, Johnny, Blaze, Spade, Nitro, I hate you, because you'd been there for like two weeks. It was not a, it was not a proud moment for Johnny Nitro. <laughs> Like, I slipped off the rope with, with my shoes, and then, like, I, I missed, like, the finish. And then all I had to do was make a save, uh, and I, like, slipped and, like, caught you with, like, the point of my elbow. Yeah, you made the save by elbowing me with your point of your elbow right in my yeah. eye. Split you open. Split me right open. And it was, like, I remember it was right in the middle of the – I'd be getting cut open by Van Damme, like, on a weekly basis. And then you came out. I was like, does anybody know how to work around here? Ah. Yeah, you're like, it's supposed to be just, like, a like a fun match with Yuji. Yeah, yeah. He's doing airplane spins. <laughs> and I have to go deal with Dr. Jekyll. To yeah. put some stitches in my head, but uh, <laughs> so so you, you came in as John. When was the transition uh, to John Morrison? Um, Vince does not. <laughs> Vince didn't like Nitro. Yeah, like uh, it was he, a gimmick. He said it a couple times. I, I actually think he just thought it reminded him of WCW. Yeah, whether he admitted it or, or you're, not, you're probably right. He he said like uh, to me maybe three or four times like you're I don't like that name Nitro I think you need a real name yeah. and there was like two times where he said that and um, I was like I don't know and Nitro is like established I kind of like it and then um, when I ended up becoming ECW champion I think the week before that he said like oh, you gotta change that Nitro name and I, I like I, uh, I was ECW champion and I was like alright yeah let's change the freaking name whatever yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> whatever we need to do how did you like that that's when the ECW was its own separate entity right and you got moved over to the ECW I, crew I loved it like um cause for me at the spot I was in right like before before that, I was just kind of like floating around the mid card, mm-hmm. and like I was kind of on a decline. And getting moved to ECW, like I like instantly like became one of the stars of the show and a main part of the show. And I felt like I was like a top guy of, of ECW, mm-hmm. which I think was a better experience for me to be like you know to be like the champion of a show to be the top guy of a show was was way better than it would have been to be on Raw or SmackDown at just the time. in the middle, when right? I, yeah, yeah. I would have just been like in, floating around in the middle. It was a good confidence booster. Yeah, I got prom- I got a promo every week. They I had a I had like this fifteen minutes of fame gimmick where I'd like crush like uh, crush a local guy every week, like kick someone in the balls and pin him, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, and then got to have like a like two segment matches with Nunzio. <laughs> Who wouldn't want that? You can get Nunzio. Uh, the best about Nunzio is super paranoid. Yeah. So you can say, "Have you heard the news, Nunzio?" Whoa, whoa, what's the news? What's the news? And uh, you'll hear about it later. Like he'd be like, "What? I'm getting fired? What's going on? Tell me. What's going on? What's the news? What's the bad news?" You could just say the news and then not tell me the news. <laughs> Who yeah, else did you work with there? Who else was on that crew? Uh, Boogeyman. Wow. Um, Boogeyman was there. Um, Punk. Actually, Punk. Punk and um, I wrestled Punk on like four pay per views in a row. And it was like heel John Morrison and um, versus babyface CM Punk at the time. Yeah. And um, I want to say like we did like a full program for like four months where we'd like wrestle every other TV and then build up to a pay-per-view match. And I would like retain, retain, retain. And they decided to switch the title to him. But so, so you know, Dreamer actually, I wrestled a lot. I wrestled Dreamer a lot then too. Did you wrestle with Benoit? Did was did you have to replace I Benoit? Replaced Benoit the, the weekend that the, the, like the week happened? the week he no showed. Yeah, um, the week he no showed. Like I was at the pay per view, and um, <laughs> me and Kevin Thorne were both sitting in Johnny's office with Carano, mm-hmm. and um, they were wondering where Benoit was. Mm-hmm. And both of us were like, kind of looking at each other, sizing each other up, other up, saying like, "Well, I mean, we're on the ECW roster. <laughs> like, doesn't show up if he no shows. Like, um, we'll do it, or he's he'll do it, or I'll do it." And um, it was a title shot. It was going to be Benoit versus Punk, and Punk was the champ, or Benoit um, was. It was. I think they were. I think neither was the champ. Oh, okay, it, it was a vacant a title tournament or something. Yeah, and they wanted to. Uh, 
whoever and then basically they didn't want to like sub out me for Benoit and let the fans down by having Punk win. Uh-huh. So they they put me in as an alternate and then had me win to make it to make it mean more. So is that like, the, is that the first time you became ECW champion? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was a it was a big turning point. Yeah. See, that's the thing about this business. It happened to me a few times when somebody, you know, gets hurt or, t- or t- you know, takes themselves out or doesn't show up. You got to be ready at all times. You never know, right? And then you're, you're there. You capitalize, and everything you know, like kind of took you to the next everything level. Everything changes for you. Yeah. How, who came up with Morrison? I mean, I think it's a great name because you kind of do look like um, John Morrison. I, Jim Morrison. I, I made a list. I made a list of names. And, oh, okay. Um, and that was like a, literally my list of names was like a Jimmy Dean, like Jim Morrison, and my names were like combos of like like John Brando Morrison. Dean Brando Morrison. Oh, okay. Like uh, Brando Dean. And I, I like a uh, same thing. I'm a big Doors fan. And I was thinking of like how fun it would be to be like a, a Morrison-esque type heel persona and say like a spit great out, idea. Like, narcissistic poetry, yeah. like I'm better than you. My existence is eternal type Saying stuff. that Jim Morrison poetry. What's the name you're finishing in? Moonlight Drive? Uh, Ed Moonlight Drive and Starship Pain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And Moonlight Drive is a door song, actually. I, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, for, the, for the listeners who don't know. Yeah, exactly. And that's why you used it. Um, and, then is that, that's, and then when did you hook up with Miz? Was that around that time? Because Miz on ECW, too? Miz, Miz was on ECW at the time, but our paths never crossed at first. It was 2010, actually. Because that was good, that too. You guys, you guys really – did you come up with it yourself? It was, was it called Hollywood Minute was the name of the, your the, – The Dirt Sheet? The Dirt Sheet. Our, our internet show. Um, yeah. Like uh, we, we – like, um, we won. Uh, we beat MVP and Matt Hardy for the for the tag titles, and um, when we did it, like I think it was another it was another moment where like he like uh, <laughs> I think he he was like floating and like he was really kind of sliding down the card and like he was he was worried, and I was kind of floating in a different area and I was like I, I was worried that I was out of like the IC title contention and they ended up putting us together and it, it worked really well. I think he. Uh, he just has a really strong personality, yeah. and he's he's emphatically himself all the time. And um, it gave me somebody to play off. And I, I think we're different and similar in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like his like abrasive, like super loud, obnoxious energy, and I have like kind of like a more subtle, like deadpan delivery. And we put those two together, and when we were on the same page, I think the chemistry was was really interesting. Was it your idea to say we want to do like this talk show thing, dirt sheet? Yeah, like um, it was is because I think both of us were like tired of not getting promo time, mm-hmm. and like you know what happens in the tag team division, you barely ever have time to to cut mm-hmm. any promos. So so at the time that basically the two of us were like, um, hey, let's do like some sort of some sort of thing where we can be funny. And even if it's not on TV, at least we can get our personalities across. Did it start out as an internet show? Oh, yeah. It was, I mean, we did, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, I think we ended up having like 77 episodes wow. of the dirt sheet. And almost all of them were, were online. But you did some of them live, though, I remember. It was, it was almost, almost a full year after like we started doing it online <laughs> that we uh, finally had one live episode of the dirt sheet on TV. And then it went well. And we did it like, I think at the end of the day, we had like maybe four or five different episodes of ECW or SmackDown where we did live dirt sheets. You would just go out there and be smart asses. I remember one time I think you did like a Mystery Science Theater thing where you watched someone's, maybe the Hardys, some little childhood video that they had, or was that Ed and Christian? I can't remember. Um, it, was, uh, it, was, it was the Hardys. We, did, we, did, we definitely did that for, uh, for the Hardys. We That's did that right. for like HBK and Triple H. We did, we did one episode. Actually, I don't even know if you remember this. We did one episode. I think we were making fun of you. And um, it was uh, the uh, the green room, like our talent relations office was right next to pre-tapes that day. Uh, yeah. And um, like I heard you in there talking to Carano 
And um, Prof from pre-tapes kept yelling, quiet, quiet on the set. And I kept telling him, no, let's just wait for Chris to get out of there because <laughs> <He's too laughs> he doesn't care. Because we're about to make – yeah. And then, um, and then we, we, did our, we did our little skit and um, you walked in and you're like, this is why you have to be quiet so <laughs> you, you can mock me on your show. <laughs> <laughs> you, you didn't care though. You're you're cool. No, man. I thought it yeah. was. I, I always enjoyed it when like guys like yourself would go and, and put something together to like you said. It, we we need promo time. Let's get some. Yeah, exactly. You know? And I think you can you can tell like, when when people do that and they take like a kind of an ownership of their character and persona. I mean, you're a good yeah. example of that. Like you just have to make it happen. You did. You made it happen for yourself. Well, I mean, t- t- my experience was in '96, '97 in WCW. I wasn't getting promo time, and they used to have this thing back in the day. It was called a box, and you'd go inside and do localized interviews. You know, we're coming to San Bernardino, Jericho versus Morrison. You know, get your tickets now. I'm going to kick your ass, or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Next, uh, uh, you know, Manhattan, New York. Hey, we're coming to Manhattan, New York, and it's going to be Morrison versus Jericho, and you better watch out. You know, and that you would do like as many of them as you could and I used to go sit in the back because we weren't doing anything during the day you know how it is and I had no promo time but I thought maybe if I go watch somebody will, you know you're watching Sting and I'm watching Flair and I'm watching like all these you know great even Rougeau's like everybody could talk right and just sit in the back and then one day I'll never forget this Luger uh, didn't, didn't come do his promos because he wanted to go tanning so like <laughs> how, about, how about that guy back there and I'm like me as you want to do a couple of these so I did two of them and then that led to three of them and that led to four of them and then, then suddenly I'm on the list every week and that's how I learned how to do promos and get, get Dude, that vibe you know a hundred percent and you then, had to do that yeah and then and then, pro- and then the same thing that happened with the dirt sheet that ha- sounds like it happened with you where they're like well we, well, yeah. need, we need a promo like that's Jericho. right like, he can talk I don't know how to do a promo so I'm going to make myself learn because yeah. if, if they give me a mic and I, st- and I suck stink it out I'm not going to get another chance. Right. So, I mean, you guys took the initiative to do that, and it worked. Yeah, and then for when it came time to like go, hey, we need, to, we need a promo segment. We want to have something funny, and we want to plug the, like the match, like uh, Matt Hardy and, uh, and Mark Henry versus Miz yeah. and Morrison. What do we do? Oh, let's do their internet show. Right, it's, right, right. it's already there. We don't have to think of it. It's, we know it's going to work. Who did you enjoy working with? Um, you know, I found like most of the time, like by the time people get – to to Raw or SmackDown, they don't suck. <laughs> um, man, like I, you know, I I liked working. Um, I liked working. Dude, I liked working. I liked. Yeah. Uh, I liked working Ziggler a lot. I liked working Miz. I feel like I I learned a lot working Sheamus and like mm-hmm. elevated my game. I liked working him a lot. Um, Sheamus is, is tough to work with, not in a bad way, but he's strong and he works hard. You got to yeah. fight when you're in there with him. I and I, I think that that helped me that mm-hmm. because. Um, it was always one of the knocks against you that you weren't that you weren't intense enough. Yeah, exactly. Because the the stuff that I I liked to do was like a lot of times like pretty and aerial. And, yeah. Um, and when I was when I was wrestling Sheamus, like um, he hits like you you know like I was on a Europe tour with him and we wrestled every night. And like after a while, if you're getting hit hard by somebody, you're like you know what I'm gonna hit you hard back. Yeah. And like it just ends up it ended up like helping me a lot develop like a, a kind of like a, a sense of like I need to be hitting people a lot harder. <laughs> And then, um, then after I, I stopped working him, I realized, you know what? I don't need to be hitting people this hard. <laughs> because people work differently, you know? And like, sure. Um, you, like, you hit like Seamus or Drew McIntyre in the head, and they don't notice. Yeah. The, yeah. Like, um, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But you hit, you hit somebody else in the head that hard, and they'll be like, uh, hey, bro. <laughs> yeah. Or you make a save by dropping the point of your elbow into someone's face. It's like, yeah. Dude, come on. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so have you have you had any conversations with the WWE about going back, or do you have an open door, or how is it on that end? Um, 
You know what? Yes, and I, I think so, but you never know. Right. Um, I've I've talked on and off to everybody from the office. I've like uh, I went to SummerSlam when they were in town and mm-hmm. like caught up with everybody backstage. I uh, I watch wrestling whenever I can, and um, I I actually like I can't wait to get back because I like I miss it and I, I watch it. But I also can't wait to get back <laughs> because I, I still feel like I got I got Boone the Bounty Hunter to make and I got all this stuff I'm running around trying to trying to accomplish and finish before I do get back. And you mentioned that you do do some indie shows here and there. Yeah, I mean, I, I I've Pick been pretty choose. selective on them. Like, I, like if it's a, if it's a good payday and a good crew or like an interesting spot, like I'll, I'll take it. And um and also I try not to take too much because in you know from the entertainment industry like how stuff happens where like hey uh, if you're if you're clear for like Next week, starting Wednesday, you have That's like right. a, a guest spot on some TV show, or like you you booked a role in a movie, but we need you like immediately That's for the right. next three weeks. And That's exactly right. If you if you have these wrestling bookings, like I I never I never cancel wrestling bookings. I uh-huh. like, I treat it like I'm I'm booked. Like right. if, if I give somebody my word, I'll show up. So I I can't like uh, I try not to take bookings mm-hmm. if I know I'm gonna like maybe have to cancel. Did you work a match with Liger? Did you do a match just to work with him? Yeah, I worked I worked Liger. Uh, in Jersey, like uh, two days before Mania last year. Oh, okay, it was it was epic, man. That guy was, it was it, it was cool wrestling him because he's one of the guys that I remember like watching as a, as a kid, yeah. like uh, growing up, and then like watching again when I was um when I was studying it as like a student in college when uh-huh. I was trying to figure out how to get into it, and um he he like uh he just did a bunch of stuff. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, well, we, he was the pioneer. We talked about some stuff and um. He he a he wanted to like go for everything like he hit his dive he hit like his uh, his flippy twisty thing and um top rope we, brain buster yeah yeah exactly <laughs> it, palm to palm rope. to the face that Actually, was a good one he must have took care of me <laughs> but um he um it, it was cool wrestling with him because he definitely felt like I felt like <laughs> I felt the Japan off him which is which is hard to articulate any other way but yeah. like. He, it's a like, certain style. He's Japanese, uh, Japanese superstar, and he's got that certain style and vibe. Very strong style. And he knew right what to do too. Like yeah. he, the strong style, and like he just. I mean, I'm sure he knows like 2,000 different types of holds. And we were doing some like hold to hold chain wrestling stuff. It was just like I would do one thing, and then he would think of three different things, and then I would do another thing. And I felt pretty pretty liberated to just yeah. try anything. Well, he's a pro for sure. What's, yeah. Last question: What's your favorite match of all time that you had? Oof. It hasn't happened yet, brother. <laughs> brother, as long, yeah, I wouldn't have accepted that, but because you put brother at the end of it, that way, it's classic. Cool. Yeah, I, I love system. I love the ones that you had. With, we talked about Sheamus and Miz. Those were some really, really cool matches to have. So. I mean, I, I could go through like a man, like a Rey Mysterio, two thousand nine. Like him and me, I had had a moment that I think defined me as a babyface. Like a couple. Punk um, in Cincinnati, I think 2007, mm-hmm. um, where he won the title off me. Miz falls kind of anywhere. The ladder match versus Sheamus. Um, a couple of matches I had on a Europe tour with with Ziggler. Any any one of those, which is kind of later stages Morrison before you left. Like you were kind of coming into your own in that I, respect. I thought those were my best matches. Yeah. And if you're going for like straight up like, I mean, what means a lot like uh, Eminem debuting in a our first match was versus right, Rey Mysterio Eminem, yeah. and Eddie Guerrero. In MSG, and we we won the titles off those guys. And, that was um, a great gimmick too. It was, everything just kind of like happened at once. Yeah, it was like like Johnny Nitro got fired, sent back to OVW, and then um, Molina and Joey and me had been working on this gimmick, and like they wanted it, they didn't want it, they wanted to trade Joey for Chris Cage for a while. Oh, wow, they ended up taking all of us and putting us on the road. Then we worked Charlie Haas and Bob Holly on house shows for three months. And then we debuted and, and um, had that match. And I was like, oh, this is why I wanted to be a pro wrestler. Yeah, that was a great tag team, too, Eminem, man. Yeah. Uh, so, Hercules, 
and this is the John Morrison's version of Hercules, the better one. Yeah. Who in the Bounty Hunter? We will be uh, seeing that soon. And uh, Let me throw so one we, more plug for absolutely. everyone listening. Still, please, um, still. <laughs> if, you, if you haven't, if you haven't left already. <laughs> This is the end of my show. Thanks. Well, you know, you know, they see they see the podcast ending. They, um, for yeah, for every for everybody listening, of course you're still listening. Yes, of course. Riveted. Um, check out Ghost Puncher. It's on my YouTube channel. Oh, Ghost it's Puncher. a uh, it's another sizzle trailer I made. Rowdy Rowdy Piper's in there. Chemo, UFC fighter. Jay Huron, a very talented UFC fighter. Talented actress named Jackie Moore, and uh, and John Morrison, a uh, an MMA fighter who has a near death experience that realizes he can punch ghosts so it's it's on my youtube challenge uh channel which is the palace of wisdom on the YouTube. palace of wisdom on youtube lots of great stuff going on john morrison it's good to connect with you man yeah absolutely i'm, I'm, man. I'm proud of me. all the stuff you're doing it's great dude I'm, I'm glad you're doing this show man yeah it was it was fun uh it was fun doing this and seeing you in person too thanks dude Thanks to John Morrison for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for being here. Make sure you check out John's official YouTube page, The Palace of Wisdom. You can see some of his parkour stuff, some of his new shorts and film projects that he's working on. Very talented, very creative, very quirky guy. My new book coming out October 14th, The Best in the World, What I Have No Idea. I'm doing book signings once this leg of the Fozzie Tour wraps October 12th. Signings start on October 14th in New York City. You can check out all of the locations either on my Instagram or you can listen earlier in the show. And you know I wouldn't be doing this at all if not for you guys downloading two shows every week for twice a week. And also, if not for my Sesky Beat sponsors who help us pay for the production costs of doing this for you. And if you want to help support the show, easiest way to do that is your online shopping through Amazon links. Easy to find. Go to podcastone.com. Click on the Keep Our Podcast free banner at the top of the page. Then click on Talk is Jericho. You'll see all three of my Amazon links in the UK, USA, and Canada. A. Every time you do that, Amazon kicks back a little cash to the show so we can keep doing this for you for free for free. So week no hidden fees or hidden charges you're just getting your shopping done and you're helping me out in the process all right thank you so much for joining me uh, i haven't played a fozzy tune for a while so let's just before we go check out no good way the other song written by johnny andrews and rich ward besides lights go out crank it up this is the final tune of the day actually the only tune of the day and it's no good way <laughs>
right. Hope you enjoyed the tune. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks to John Morrison. That's it. Another edition of Talk is Jericho. In the meantime, and in between time, stay cool. We'll see you next week. Stay hard. Stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs. And on Friday, the Nerdist himself, host of Talking Dead, host of Midnight, my buddy, my boy, Chris Hardwick, will be here. And what a discussion we have. If you like the Kevin Smith chat, you will love the Hardwick chat. Come on up on Friday. We'll see you then. Yeah, boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcast1.com. That's podcast podcastone.com. 